You're listening to the Regent College Podcast. Wait, it's hello everyone? Hello? Hello, my name is Ray. <laughs> I'll say hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. My name is Octavio Fernandez y Mostajo. My name's Claire Perini. And welcome back to the Regent College Podcast. Today, we had a very interesting conversation with Mariela Kenzo. Uh, Kenzo was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, he's a fourth-generation Christian uh, with the Christian Missionary Alliance. And he uh, has done a lot of thinking in mm. his kind of academic career, but also in his work as a church planter and a pastor around these issues of colonialism and post-colonialism mm-hmm. and what does that mean for theology, what does that mean for the mm-hmm. church, what does that mean for how we understand the scriptures. Yeah. So we had a, a really interesting conversation with him around those things. Yeah. Before we started the conversation, he tried to explain Mabiala Kenzo. Like, I was like, is Mabiala your last name? He's like, you don't want to even know. It's so complicated. It's super different than just the last name and mm. the given name. It's, so I was like, huh. You just started with the name. I have no idea how your system works. And it's so... I mean, just with the name, you kind of realize, okay, we need to learn so much of Mm -hmm. what's going on Mm -hmm. in in Africa in this case or in South America in my case. Mm -hmm. Because you think, uh, like, the colonizers didn't do much. They left and everything's Mm -hmm. good. It changed so many things. Dynamics with the people. Dynamics with with theology. What, What... does it mean when the colonizers came with the religion and then they left and then now now Africa is developing its own its own uh, theology and how how that's working and, and it's mm-hmm. it's just a great conversation mm-hmm. and yeah yeah it's so much we don't know and we we should know we should get more freaking interested and I think the thing to listen out for is um, what does what does hospitality look like in yeah. our understanding of theology uh, across the global church. And what does that mean for how we understand the scriptures mm-hmm. and how we do theology based on the context in which we come? We talked about the art and how the art has to come out from Africa, out from South America, mm-hmm. out from Asia, from from the Middle East to shape our imagination of, of how the divine looks like mm-hmm. and how Jesus looks like, how the God in our imagination looks like mm-hmm. in order to, to keep keep uh, grounding our theology in, in, in our own culture, mm-hmm. of course, in the Bible, but, you know, informed by the culture or... Yeah. Was that heretical? No? Did I mess it up? No? <laughs> Fine. Thank you. Based in the Bible and then interpreted in the culture, I think. Is what <laughs> so we hope you enjoy our conversation. Yes. Kenzo, welcome to the Regent Podcast. Thank you. And nice welcome to, to Regent College. This is your first time uh, teaching, at Re- yes, teaching yes, at Regent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's great first to time, have you. Yes. Um, I'd love it. You're teaching this class um, called The Trying God in Post-Colony. Just give us a little synopsis of, of what you're teaching and what you're hoping students will learn from that, and then we'll go from there. I think the first premise of the course is that uh, uh, culture has changed and uh, colonialism uh, has affected the whole world. It's not just the colonized, mm-hmm. but also the colonizer or former colonizer mm-hmm. have been affected right. by mm-hmm. this experience. So we are living in an era that I consider to be post-colonial, just mm-hmm. others would say post-Christian or post-modern. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I prefer to say it as post-colonial yep. uh, for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what we're doing here is to uh, look at ways in which uh, Christianity in those contexts, 
those uh, spaces where people see themselves or try to construct their identity as post-colonial, mm-hmm. how do they appropriate the triune God, the Christian God? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's in nutshell. That's that's the yeah. essence of the course. Yeah. <coughs> and so tell us about some of the tell us some of the complexities of that process yeah. of, and tell us a little bit about. Um, what are the sort of the joys and the opportunities, the opportunities and the challenges maybe of that? Yeah. yeah. Tell, yeah. Give us some sort of some I think ideas we, about we have to go back to what, how I see post-colonialism. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I think in my at least way of reading things, uh, we move from, let's say, modernity to post-modernity to what I could see. An expression of post-modernity, is, which is unique, that is post-colonialism. Right. Because... Uh, post-modernity comes and only challenges or mostly challenges uh, the modern paradigm, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, the enlightenment uh, and a project yeah. and very little constructive side. But yeah. post-colonialism is basically moving beyond that the constructive phase and saying, hey, listen, we have been affected yes. by colonialism. We can't Mm-hmm. There's no way of going around that. Mm-hmm. We have been affected, and we live in this space where we have both elements of tradition, element of modernity, mm-hmm. element of, and how do we how do we construct our identity? Well, we do hybridity. We take from all sides, uh-huh. and for me, it's giving Christianity a fantastic opportunity because yeah. it one it's one of those elements that is identity shaping. Mm. Mm. So people want to reject uh, Christianity simply because it came through Western vessels. Because we're part of that, you know. Uh, I I, I would like to quote here uh, uh, Derrida, Mm -hmm. uh, who is uh, uh, very postmodern. And I remember when he read to us his initial paper, it became a book at Villanova University on circumcision. Mm. That's the book he wrote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's telling the story of how he came with this topic. First, he was writing the book um, as a tribute to the 1500 anniversary of Augustine uh, uh, confessions. Mm-hmm. 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 And uh, he's from Algeria. Augustine was from Algeria. He was writing his book as... His mother was dying slowly of uh, Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. And uh, Augustine wrote the confessions while Monica, his mom, was yeah. slowly dying probably of tuberculosis. We don't know. Yes. So you see the connection. Mm-hmm. So he, at, during that time in his own life, he says that uh, he was thinking about how he became an atheist, or at least officially mm-hmm. an atheist. Mm-hmm. He tells the story of the day he crossed the Rubicon and said, I'm done, no religion in my life and all this. And to clear his mind, it's a, making a story really short here, mm. he jumps on the first plane to New York mm-hmm. and he checks into a hotel, you know, crashed. And the early morning, it was Sabbath, Saturday. And he didn't know that just across from his window, there was a synagogue. Right. So he was awakened by the chants in uh, the synagogue uh-huh. and he could rem- follow the whole service from his room because he knew that right. that's where he was nurtured that's where he was yeah. raised mm-hmm. and he has a great line he said I guess faith is like circumcision once you've had it you can't undo it uh-huh. Uh-huh. so <laughs> that's the same thing with us and, and colonialism yeah. we have been affected uh-huh. you can't undo it completely mm-hmm. it's impossible mm-hmm. so we own those positive elements with, of course, a strong 
de because we want to decenter everything. Yes. We want to provincialize. We don't want a hegemonic center. No. But multiple centers. Yeah. And in the space we can as a network, you know, yeah. uh, nurture one another, inform one another. So for me, being in Africa, claiming to be a Christian, there's no shame. Mm. There's no betrayal because it's part of who I am in uh-huh. that post colonial yeah. space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah what, what I'm thinking is I was born in Bolivia. Yeah. Uh once in, in a wild colonized country, mm-hmm. right? I wasn't colonized per se, mm-hmm. but my country was hundreds of years before I was born, right? So I think my 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 theology somehow is still formed by the fact that hundreds of years my country was colonized. And what I'm thinking is like, what would be the difference of my theology being affected by us being colonized in contrast to somebody born in the UK like being part of the colonizer, quote unquote, country, but they themselves didn't colonize. But he comes, uh, he was born in a colonizer country. Mm-hmm. So, what is the difference of how that that uh, drama affects our own theology? Like me being being born in a colonized country, mm-hmm. and my friend being born in uh, in a in a colonizer. So the colonized and the colonizer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I, I mean, um, first, I need to say that uh, uh, for you, mm-hmm. being born in a country has been colonized. We need to go back to the history, how things unfolded in the 60s and even going into the 70s. Mm-hmm. The buzzword was anti-colonialism and, uh, and you know, independence, anti-colonialism. And at least if you read, uh, you, know, you look at the rhetoric, you would think that there was a possibility of those former colonized countries mm-hmm. to go back to the pre-colonized or pre-colonization era. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible. It's impossible, as you're saying. You you can't undo it. You cannot. Mm -hmm. So you being born even 100 years later, you Mm -hmm. were not born in what country again? Bolivia. You were not born in Bolivia before the colonization. You were born in Bolivia after, After, in a country that had already been shaped forever Mm -hmm. by that experience. So that is your space. And for uh, the uh, colonizer, I mean, colonization does not only affect the colonized but also the colonizer, mm. because it shapes you. You know, uh, one of the uh, most read uh, uh, novel or book by an African in our school system in North America, Canada, and the U.S. is "Things Ap- Fall Apart" by Chino Achebe. Mm-hmm. Things fall apart. Well, it's it's clear that Achebe is uh, parroting his mimicking uh, or quoting, however you put it, Yeats. You know, things fall apart. Mm-hmm. He said it before. Mm-hmm. But when you read the two books, people don't get it. That actually, uh, the roles are reversed. Because in the case of Chino Achebe, well, in the case of Yeats, mm. things fall apart is the internal development in the West. You know, where he's seeing changes that are internal. Mm. Whereas in Chino Achebe, actually, it's the West that is the disturbing right. uh, influence. You know, mm. If things are falling apart because of the Western uh, influence, yeah. because mm. of the Western presence. Uh, so, and, and, and when you read the book, or even uh, when you're dark, uh, in the heart of darkness, you know, that's from c- based on Congo, yeah. it's not only the natives who are affected, um. who become wild or uh, savages, but the white man becomes a savage mm-hmm. as well. You know, it affects both sides. You, it's an experience mm-hmm. that is such that it's both ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you read uh, in a more technical way, um, 
if you uh, you 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 read other books that are coming uh, from Africa, people who are seen as precursors to uh, this whole experience, you see that at the psychological level, that is taking place as mm-hmm. well. That took place as well uh, with. Uh, Colonization. You you read uh, the, the literature on subaltern literature from India. It's the mm-hmm. same experience. Be so, so it affects both ways. In other words, mm-hmm. it affects bo- both sides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then so and thinking so then thinking about thinking theologically and thinking about the growth of the church in mm-hmm. these places that have been colonized. So if we think of you know Andrew Walls as the center of gravity shifting, all of those things that we've talked about before mm-hmm. on the podcast, yeah. actually, um, this whole idea that um, Latin America. Africa and parts of Asia, the church is growing. And, and you're, you've sort of said, we the church needs to be, this is where the church is growing and this is where we need to be paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the church of tomorrow is going to be shaped by the African church and probably the Latin American church and the Asian yeah. church. Tell us what you mean by that and how might we as um, Westerners, I mean, I'm in a tricky place because I'm not a colonizer. I was colonized, but I'm from the West, but it's not the Western. It's a bit yeah. of, I'm in a bit of a weird space. Yeah. But how, how might um, us as a, church, a global church be accompanying one another in this colonized, colonizer, church theology being shaped by both sides. Talk to us about that. Yeah. I think Andrew Wall said it well, uh, and I agree 100% with Mm -hmm. him, that uh, the future of the church is not talking about the church in Africa, but just the church in in the absolute sense. Mm -hmm. The future of the church depends, he says, in great measure to what we are doing now in the church in Africa. Right. Mm. That's what he says. Yes. And I agree. Uh, Because the future will be shaped by Africa, Latin America, or uh, Asia, or what Mm -hmm. have you. And to to be clear here, uh, numbers is only one thing. You know, Jenkins, you know, the Mm -hmm. new Christendom, that's that's only one aspect because the numbers are shifting. Mm -hmm. It's a a majority church now in, in the South. That's only one aspect. Right. But for me, there is another, even more fundamental aspect to it, is the simple fact that theology has always renewed itself from the margins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Western theology developed as this Judeo, Judeo well, Jewish, if you want, uh, cult, uh, mm, uh, yep. grew out of Palestine and then started moving into the uh, Greco-Roman Empire Mm -hmm. in contact with the Greco-Roman culture, um, the first 10th century, Mm -hmm. starting from the uh, third century, or starting from Constantine all the way to, uh, well, starting from the third century, maybe even before Mm -hmm. Constantine, when when they were moving into that uh, sphere of culture all the way to the 10th century, that's Mm -hmm. when you have theology being shaped Mm -hmm. in contact with Greek, Greco-Roman culture. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, there's no exception to the rule. Yeah. Uh, They're always interacting. The gospel's yeah. always interacting yeah. with culture. Yeah. Theology renews itself when it encounters a new cultural mm-hmm. reality. Mm-hmm. And where theology, Christian theology is encountering a new cultural reality is in the margins. Right. Uh, it's in the margin, actually, uh, in uh, 18th century or so, uh, maybe, you know, 18th century. Uh, uh, Schleimacher say that. Mm. And he said in a very colonial way. Yeah. No, he said that, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> there is no risk of heresies anymore as long as the church is only recruiting within itself. 
right. and uh, and so forth. So we've reached to dominate mm. the whole thing, and uh-huh. we are the center. So there's no risk of heresy anymore. Mm. Because what he said, well, in part is right. Mm. Because heresy is when, uh, you know, you creativity in a negative way so uh-huh. well creativity happens in the margins yeah. and he said we dominate everything so there's no risk well the reality is simply that he was wrong thinking that we dominate everything yes <laughs> yeah. exactly. now, once the center yeah. shifts you see that voices emerging from the margins i mean even within western society uh women and yeah. uh, uh, black theology mm. or uh, feminist theology black theology or this uh, mm. um, you know social groups that are claiming theology, that's where theology is renewing itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is the same phenomenon we are seeing in Africa Mm -hmm. and uh, everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Theology is where theology is renewing itself. And that's where I say it. And I will be repeating that during the um, uh, round table. Mm -hmm. But the challenge of the church in the absolute sense, not just the Western church, mm. but the challenge of the church for the 21st century is a challenge of hospitality, yeah. mm. especially for the evangelical church. Will the evangelical church, as we know it today, be open to, you know, mm. dif- dissonant voices, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe different accents yeah. uh, that want to speak yeah. to the issue, want a, yeah. a, a place at the table? Because that's the only way we can move forward. Yeah. A new universality mm. it's a it's not a universality uh, based on a center which is the west no. uh, but it's a universality which is based on multiple centers that are networked yeah mm. uh, and have equal weight mm-hmm. yeah have, the weight is important yeah, yes. it's very important yes. because otherwise you have a center it becomes colonial mm-hmm. when you have a center and margins uh, and a hegemonic center and periphery. Yes. Uh, you know, everything has to be done according to this model, to this type. Yeah. And yeah. people who are not like us are either underdeveloped mm. or developing. So mm. we're waiting for them to catch up to us. Yeah. Uh, but to be hospitable, yeah, yeah. to say God speaks to them in their own dialect. Yeah. Mm. And that's 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 a reversal of yeah. you know, of uh, the Tower of Babel, you know, we have it Acts chapter two, right? Yeah, and yeah. that's what we—that's uh, what I'm expecting. Yeah. So, coming back to your question, mm-hmm. so that—that's where I see uh, the church from Africa, the church from uh, uh, the regions um, contributing to the, the wider church mm-hmm. at large. And, mm-hmm. and as I said, hospitality is not only a challenge from the West or for the West, yeah, but it is also a challenge for. Other regions as well. I mean, Africans have to move bef- beyond the, um, if you want, the academy or uh, a, you know this opposition, binary opposition between mm. us versus them. Right. So that they too would be hospitable. Yeah. To the legacy yeah. that we have from the Western, Western. theology. I was going to say there'd be yes, naturally exactly. a thing of saying, yeah. oh, let yeah. us just yeah. we want us to do it our own way. Like yeah. you've you've had your influence, just back off. No. You know, and so, but there does need to be hostility. It doesn't need to be that. That's yeah. right. It, 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 we don't. We don't. We don't need the hostility. Mm-hmm. We need the hospitality. Absolutely. And to uh, you know, uh, nurture one another, encourage one another. That's for me. That's actually reading the Bible in a community. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's that's how I see things. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think when you say hospitality, I think. I think the word weight that you said has is so important because you can be hospitable. Like, okay, I'm going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. 
it's interesting being informed, but I'm actually going to do it my way anyway. Because because what what we say has more weight than what you say. But we were hospitable in a, in a sense. We heard your voice. You said something, but it doesn't have the same weight as what we think is right or what we think is the way things should be done. Because like for example, it's like if if you have a house. And you invite a guest and you're being hospitable and he has, you know, he has to say, but he's not the owner of the house. The owner he's of the house. He's not the host. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. <laughs> the host has the authority to see, mm-hmm. to say this is the way things are done. You have a voice, but you have no authority. You have mm-hmm. no weight in the house. Mm. Hospitality is also a thing like, it's not your house. It's everybody's house yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. So we both have the the weight of of hosting the conversation exactly. and yeah exactly. offering yeah, yeah. yeah. yes and, and you're making a very very good point uh, and that's why we need to define what we mean by hospitality yeah because for for me hospitality that the kind of hospitality I'm talking about mm-hmm. here which is informed by scripture I would even qualify it as a radical hospitality. Mm-hmm. It goes way beyond tolerance because tolerance, yeah, exactly. you know, yeah. what we see in society. So, you know, mm-hmm. you are who you are, but, you know, because if it works in Africa for you, so I tolerate that, but that's yeah. not for me. Exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. But when, when, but when we are invited to the table by the Lord, you know, taking mm-hmm. the image of the, the Lord's table here, and it's a radical hospitality. Mm-hmm. It's beyond tolerating one another. Yeah. It's actually accepting one another yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, realizing that we belong to the same body. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and uh, borrowing uh, uh, philosophers here, you know, saying saying like uh, uh, Levinas that in the face of the other, I see the transcendent. Mm-hmm. So in the face you mm-hmm. know, of the other, I see my God mm-hmm. reflected because mm-hmm. that's what we used to sing when we were you mm-hmm. know uh, 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 children mm-hmm. that. Uh, I, I love you in the name of Christ because in you I see in the face of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. that's, these are the kind of things that we need yeah. to reclaim. Yeah. So it's a radical hospitality where you, yes, welcome the other, discover the other, and find yourself in the other because he has Christ in you, in, in mm-hmm. him or her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's, that's radical hospitality. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the concepts I've appreciated from um, a Rwandan theologian, mm-hmm. Faustan and Thomas Shabura, is this yeah. idea of Ubuntu theology mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that whole idea that in the other eye, I am because you are and yeah. because you are, therefore yeah. I am. Do you yeah. want to speak a little bit about that and how that might um, how that might inform and help us be hospitable in the in the the mutuality sense mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah, is there anything around that that's or not that's that's not like that? Is there? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It's you know it's it's informs that uh, what I'm talking about here because uh, as uh, you said in the Ubuntu notion, mm-hmm. uh, which is shared by what they call the Bantu people mm-hmm. in Africa, mm-hmm. it's a traditional uh, wisdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, as uh, John Beatty already in the 60s wrote right. a book about it and say that uh, you know for Descartes or for Western modernity. Uh, uh, I think, therefore, I am. But that's not the case mm. I- in Africa, for instance, uh, because uh, uh, I am because we are, mm-hmm. and we are because I am. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, that's the, this mutuality. Mm. And uh, uh, when I see the other, I, I'm realized actually because of the other. Right. Uh, I am because of the other. Mm. So the other is not as uh, in existence. You know, uh, Sartre and other is not the, the devil, is not the enemy. Actually, the other is me. Me. Uh, it's me. Yeah. And uh, Paul Ricoeur also said it well, mm. you know, uh, oneself as another. Uh, so that's the whole foundation of radical hospitality. hospitality. Yeah. yeah. 
So it's a new way of looking at otherness, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. new way of constructing otherness. Mm-hmm. And that's what we are talking about here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it's that, that to me is actually, that just the whole idea of Ubuntu is that mm-hmm. to me is almost like that's, that's a learning from the African church that mm-hmm. actually, that, that it, like it, it's what we want to do, but it's mm-hmm. also something that we can, that we need to take on in our, anyway, mm-hmm. it's just, it's brilliant. Like yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah. If you want another quote in that yeah. sense, um, quite written quite a long time ago, I think the initial quote from, by the same author came from the 30s. Uh-huh. Um, that's uh, Leopold Cedar Senghor. He was the president of uh, uh, Senegal, yep. a poet, a philosopher, and became a letter a member of the French uh, uh, Academy. Mm. Uh, so that's the guardian of the French language so in France. But, uh, you know, in... Um, well, maybe too uh, radical opposition, but he was making a point. Mm. He said that, uh, you know, uh, in a language that was appropriate at the time, he said that the reason is Greek mm. and affection uh, and, and uh, yeah, affection is, is nigger, is, is mm. African, he mm-hmm. said. And he said, when um, one is faced or confronted with... Uh, rational reason you know so the other when they, they when uh, in face with the other the other is measured the other is weighed yeah. the other is dissected with reason the, you know kind of with that, reason that yeah. approach mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. whereas in the affective way of thinking which doesn't lack its own rationality yeah, yeah. Exactly. in the affective way of reasoning i dance with the other i come to life in and through mm. the other so you see that, yeah, that's yeah. that's 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 yeah. way of looking at things. Yeah. Uh, that's a yeah, yeah, that's a helpful way to think about it. But what we need now is to bring reason and affection, yeah, and affective, exactly. uh, yeah. the affective life and the rational life, bring them together. Yeah, try to bring to build an, a hybridity, not yeah. either or. Yeah. binary oppositions never good. It's not good. Yeah. It's not good. We need more, but we do need some more dancing, though. That's right. No, definitely yeah. need some more dancing. Right. The Latin Americans would also agree, yeah, I think, yeah. on that. Talking about dancing. Yeah. I heard a, a bunch, and I've read some about you know Latin American theology having a conversation in a place, uh, having a conversation with Western theology. Africans mm-hmm. having a conversation with Western theology. And, and Asian theology having a conversation with Western theology. But I haven't heard much of African theology having a conversation and sitting at the table with South American theology or with Asian theology and, and all those, like, call it the Global South, getting together and having all sorts of conversation, not not leaving the Westerns out, mm-hmm. but having a kind mm-hmm. of a, that kind of focus. I haven't mm-hmm. read much or, or seen or heard some talks about it. It's, it's normally Global South having a conversation with, with, with the West, but not having a conversation amongst African and, and South Americans and Asians. So is there a lack there or I'm just not informed enough or, or what do you think? Is that, are we having a conversation there or, or no? Yeah, it is happening. That's for sure. But more needs to happen. Mm. There's, there's no question about it. And again, um, it's an uphill battle because we can talk about post-colonialism here, but we have to know that. Uh, knowledge comes with power, mm. you know, Michel right. Foucault. Mm-hmm. And for the moment with uh, uh, the empire, whatever the structure we have now, it's very imbalanced, you know, mm. in terms of, you know, getting even Africans to talk among uh, themselves 
it's it's very challenging because mm-hmm. how do you move someone from let's say uh, Burundi or Rwanda mm-hmm. and uh, uh, with someone from Senegal? You know, because mm-hmm. to travel from Burundi to, to to Senegal is more expensive than to travel from Burundi to to Brussels. Uh. You know, mm-hmm. so you, you can tell that's mm-hmm. that's the way th- things are. But I was glad that a few years ago there was a conference on postcolonial theology that took place in Bangalore in India mm. okay. Uh, okay. because of the to, to recognize the contribution that India has made to postcolonial theology and it's an attempt also to encourage us, uh, mm. a dialogue in, in within the context of the global south mm. uh, and uh, sometimes even in the context of uh, the infrastructure that we already have in the West the American Academy of Religion mm. is a postcolonial colonial uh, study group mm. so we come together during those occasions I haven't attended for a while do we come together during those occasions to talk among ourselves but definitely what you're saying is true it's not enough mm-hmm. it's not enough yeah. and, and sometimes it's simply um, financial reasons that's why it's mm, not happening yeah. right okay, yeah, that's not why it's happening how do we understand orthodoxy mm-hmm. When there's a need for innovation, so there's a need mm-hmm. to be listening from the margins, mm-hmm. you know, with both within our own, so within the African culture, mm-hmm. but with, within even Western theology, we need to be listening to people from the margins as well. So how do we, what is, what is this interplay between orthodoxy and innovation and who decides? Yeah. Like how do we, like, do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you've got thoughts about that. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll bring you back to uh, quite a heated uh, dialogue conversation I had with uh, one of my mentors, uh, who shall name, who shall remain unnamed, mm-hmm. uh, for obvious reasons. Um, so, uh, I mean, I told him that uh, I really, really appreciate what he's doing. Uh, he's a staunch defender of orthodoxy, evangelical mm-hmm. theology, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all this. But I told him that I do not have the luxury to do theology the way he's doing theology, meaning assert the boundaries and affirm the boundaries, defend the boundaries, protect the boundaries. I can't, simply because I am from Africa. And because I am from Africa, if that's my role, I'm saying everything that we have to learn. Mm. Everything that we have to say has been said. So let's just learn what has been said and reproduce it. Mm. And that's not how I see my role. My role is to go back to scripture to see um, new interpretive possibilities that are allowed by my approach coming from that Mm. unique perspective. Mm -hmm. What can, can we hear God saying to us at least from my perspective, yeah. from that angle. And creativity for me is, is a necessity. Mm-hmm. Is that's the only way that I can express myself, both as a true Christian, but also true African. Mm-hmm. God ought to speak my dialect as well. Yeah. We need um, everyone to say, how come we hear them talks about the wonders of God in their own dialect, mm. how do, in our own dialect, and that is very important. Mm. Uh, it's incarnation, incarnational, mm. you know. Christ has to move in the hood, in my hood too. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. so, th- so these are the kind of things that uh, uh, makes it imperative to, um, to innovate, to create. Actually, if we need to express ourselves and our faith, 
what we have, how we have been changed by our encounter with Christ. You know, uh, we have to choose to alternative options. Mm. Uh, we mm. have to choose maybe even going through the history of Western theology. Maybe there are trajectories that were silenced, that were, you know, suppressed or that were neglected, mm. but are quite telling to us. Mm. You know, look at the role even in exegesis, the role of genealogy. Read books in Africa on Christology. How many people have commented on genealogies? Mm. Not very many in the West. Yeah. But in, in some milieu in, in African context, that's one of the most important pieces mm. of literature in New Testament. Yeah. Because one of the genealogies takes you back all the way to Adam. Yeah. Son of Adam. So, oh, he's a family member. Yeah. So we are related. We're the same, we're, we're yeah. of the same blood. Yeah. So it opens all kinds of possibility here. Mm. Well, uh, connecting yeah. points. I don't want to say that we stay there. So the gathering point, the meeting point for all of us is the Bible, mm. scripture, mm -hmm. around scripture. Mm. Now, if whether you come from Latin America or mm. Africa or Asia, if you say that uh, this is for me, for you, meaning that's what scripture says, therefore it is for me. Where do you get it from? Well, because, you know, I know that uh, uh, the, the, the object here in the Greek is, uh, uh, is accusative, mm. but I'm taking it as a genitive. Mm. Whoa, 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 you yeah. can't do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But if it's a genitive, it can be subjective genitive, it can be objective genitive, it can be genitive of well, source, whatever kind of a genitive. Within that, there's a dialogue to be had. Mm -hmm. And we don't need all to land on the same that it is only a genitive of this sort. You know? mm -hmm. There's room there. For, so, so for me, reading scripture is exploring interpretive possibilities. Yes. Okay. And creativity is exploring new mm. interpretive mm. possibilities. Mm -hmm. It has, the possibility has to be allowed by the text. Yeah. Mm. So this creativity of and innovation, but within the bounds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Paul Ricoeur makes it clear that no one creates ex nihilo except God. Mm. We always Ooh. create uh -huh. out of what is given. Mm -hmm. yeah. And in this case, we have scripture and also tradition uh, mm -hmm. in, in the church. That's what is given. Mm -hmm. We have it. And it's out of that that we are invited mm -hmm. to create. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not ex nihilo. Yeah. 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 Speaking about creativity and doing things in our own language, I wonder about the arts and the impact of colonialism and the arts. I remember back when I was a kid, all the Catholic images and the images of the holy and the images of the saints were things I really didn't like. I was like, it, it creeped me out, it freaked me out. <laughs> and now that I think about it, it, it might be as well that they did not represent me because they looked very different. And their faces were very different as mine, looking at the heaven, all weird, and I don't know. So, so that did almost nothing for me. It, 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 it actually drew me away from God because I was like, if that's God, that's not me. I don't want it. I don't like it. It doesn't represent me. So, so right now, I'm thinking about the arts as in visual arts, like paintings and sculpture and stuff like that. It, thinking about... Has there been a development of the visual arts in Africa? Because, you know, you read things in the Bible, and the way 
the place your imagination goes is different from somebody in the in, in India, somebody in in Sweden. Even if you're reading the same text, the thing that jumps into in your imagination is different. In the, in the way you represent what you're reading is different, even though it's basically the same story, mm-hmm. right? So, so what I'm thinking is, I, I think our our imagination has to change, and it's gonna come through visual arts a lot. I think our, our imagination have to have to uh, have to change in the way we see what's holy uh, and, and the way we see God represented visually. I know uh, we know he's, he's the spirit, right? But yeah. you know what I mean, right? Oh, yeah. So oh, is, yeah. is, has there has there been a development in the visual arts in Africa that's been reshaping imagination? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to go back to uh, I think the seventies in in Africa, there was in the Congo at least where I come from, there was a major crisis because. One of the artists, a musician, and a very well-known, famous musician, wrote a song that uh, uh, led him in trouble. But he was raising those questions. Mm. He said, uh, I, I just wonder, where do black people come from? Mm. Mm. Because when you look at the, the images in, in our churches, and, and it's you know Belgian Congo, so mm. very predominantly Roman Catholic, all the images of the saints are white. Mm. All the images of the angels are white. All the mm. images of are white and all white, all white. Yeah. So where did we come from? Yeah. Mm. And why well, got him in trouble? But it's a it's a <laughs> profound question. It is, yeah. And uh, I thank God we see now uh, a huge progress in the way Jesus is depicted. Um, and the many faces of Christ. It's, uh, it's a book in Christology from Africa, and uh, the cover oh, yeah. itself is uh, is very unique. Actually, mm-hmm. they they're representing Christ not only as black, but they were borrowing from the Eastern tradition for the Pantocrator, and they put him on a poor man's mat. He's mm-hmm. seated on a he's, he's seated on a poor man's mat. That's very contextual, and 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 so these mm-hmm. kind of things are happening, uh, and and that's that's very important because. Uh, for me, what is expressed in art should be uh, the expression of how I relate to God. It's, mm-hmm. expression of, it's an expression of my faith. Mm-hmm. But if I'm presenting uh, Christ uh, or, or, or any of the faith images in a way that is alien to me, it creates distance. It expresses yeah. distance and not, not familiarity, not ownership. Mm. But sometimes even hostility. Yes, uh, you push it. You know, it's otherness. That's that's not me. Yeah, uh, and and so you are absolutely right. Uh, we need to reclaim, uh, especially visual arts, because evangelical ch- uh, churches we tend to be just word, 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 word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we exactly. need also to do uh, well in arts, all kinds of for all kind all forms of arts, uh, but uh, they have to be contextual. Yes, mm. and uh, and. Uh, um, you know, Paul Tillich said it clearly that uh, uh, we need to interpret anew, you know, uh, the eternal, you know, uh, truth of God, you know, for every generation. And if we don't do that, we lose that generation. It's not just in terms of generation, but also in terms of culture. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, mm. And uh, we need to do that. And yeah. I, I have to say that even at my age, uh, I have to give space to my children to express their faith mm. in their own Mm. dialect in their own culture. Yeah. So which means for me that I have to accept the fact that uh, you know God can be worshipped with rap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So but that's not where I was raised, but I have to accept that. Yeah. And 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 it's legitimate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I think I think it's very important because I think our task of evangelization that's the word? 
Mm. Evangelization mm, it has to be visual as well yeah. because you, you you said it's all, it's all just words and words and words and you have no idea what's happening in the head of the listener. So if you're talking about Jesus and 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 the Savior and God and God the Father and all the people, imagine when they hear the word is white Jesus and blonde hair with blue yeah, eyes, blue eyes. <laughs> exactly, exactly and the angels are blonde and 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 God the Father looks looks like Santa Claus yeah. I mean even if you're saying the right words their imagination triggers different things because yeah. because you haven't changed their visual imagination yeah. and they, they will still be hostile in in a way to whatever you're saying because mm -hmm. it still sounds for It looks for it in their in in their in their head, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, I think we don't we, we don't realize that for South Americans, for Asian people, for African that that we still have our imagination, quote unquote, messed up mm -hmm. by the art that was kind of sort of imposed on us, yeah. you know, brought to us, and because we haven't produced enough. Yeah. In order to change uh, the, imag the imagination of the masses, mm -hmm. you know, you know, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To see, like, okay, yeah, when you talk about Jesus, now I, I don't have a blue, white, blonde okay. Jesus anymore because I was exposed enough, right, yeah. to to new visual art. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I think yeah. that's so important yeah. for 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 Christian artists to to put images of holy of 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 God out there as much as we can mm -hmm. evangelizing imagination of mm. people be, before we even get the words out I agree. right I, I agree right I agree absolutely mm -hmm. right yeah Completely. So that's you. That's your task, Octavio. Octavio yeah. is an artist. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm a music. So I'm, I'm still, yeah, I'm still words. Visual, yeah. I still have the yeah. rhythms, and stuff, yeah. but I'm yeah. still words. But yeah. I, I'm thinking right now how important it is the visual yeah. arts mm -hmm. yeah. to reshape yeah. and maybe break the walls of hostility and out of yeah. our hearts and imagination yeah. in order to, I, to receive Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think uh, what you're saying is absolutely right. Um, one of the most moving uh, services I've ever attended. We were at a small conference uh, with, uh, at the time, Emergent Church in Houston, Texas. Mm. And uh, uh, the gathering was downtown, and as, as usual, a uh, nice hotel. But uh, uh, the program had a space for us on Sunday to worship at, uh, because the idea at the time was uh, just encouraging those who do church otherwise to uh, meet at this place where people were doing church otherwise. Mm. And it's uh, in a rundown neighborhood, very dangerous, mm. and uh, drugs, prostitution everywhere, everywhere. We, we as a former convent that uh, even the Roman Catholic had abandoned. Yeah. And these guys, the church planters, took their place and started planting a church mm. in the neighborhood. But these are artists, I mean. yeah excellent musicians mm. but also visual artists mm. and uh, all kinds of stuff so as part and and uh, they did not even meet in the former chapel mm -hmm. they outgrew it so they were meeting in the former um, uh, auditorium the okay. larger room and they turned it into an art gallery mm. so mm. as part of this the, mm. you know worship space it's an art gallery and during service they use all kinds of Uh, arts. Uh, they didn't have the regular wow. reading of scripture, mm -hmm. but they acted out mm -hmm. the whole gospel of, of Mark. Uh -huh. 
So acting it out, just one man, one lady show, uh-huh. mm. I, I reciting, acting out, you know, uh, so the gospel of yeah. acting. It's not in, in one in one stand. So mm. you, you, she does, did something at the beginning. As you are entering, she's already doing that. Yeah. Right. And then worship, and then she comes back, and all different. And at one moment, actually, they, you are invited to go around the art gallery uh-huh. and just stop at which, whichever piece of art, sculptures or paintings and stuff, whichever piece of art that spoke to you the most and just write down why. Mm. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, y- you kind of feel awkward. First, yeah. Yeah. You've, you've never like, done oh, that. And then second, because it's that kind of neighborhood, many people were uh, sexually abused and uh, all kinds of stuff. So they express that in the art. Mm-hmm. So a lot of nudity and stuff. Right. But once you get beyond that, it becomes a very, very telling because mm-hmm. it's art of faith, mm-hmm. expressing where they are, yeah. the space where they found themselves. Yeah. And uh, at the time of sharing what spoke to you the most and all, oh, there was m- the most moving stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was one of the best services I've ever attended with mm-hmm. that because it appealed to all kinds of yeah. senses, mm-hmm. yeah, not exactly. just to mm-hmm. my auditory senses, but it appealed to the other yeah. affective and uh, visual and also the things, you know. Yeah. And I'm not saying that everything has to be new in creativity. No, no. It, yeah. it can yeah. be simply that already there in Western theology, but not as a dominant theme. Mm-hmm. Or okay. yeah. used to be a dominant yeah. theme that is no longer a dominant yeah. theme. Yeah. And, and like so forth. Yeah. So you, it's, it's, it's that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's really yeah, helpful. Like that. yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time. You're welcome. And thanks for the work that you're doing yeah. uh, in pleasure. helping us think through this in a different way. Yeah, my it. pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so thanks. much, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Regent College podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit regent.net. That's R-G-N-T dot net. <laughs>